If you enjoy this podcast, please like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram and visit our website at lifebetweenthevines.com. Grew up uh, not in the middle of the wine industry. I fell in love with wine when I went to UC Davis as an undergrad, interested in being a doctor or doing pre-med or uh, something thereof, and discovered wine in my third year, took an introductory class, was intrigued. Discovering and tasting wine shouldn't be a homework assignment. And we believe that the people who are closest to wine have the best stories. So open a bottle. And welcome to podcast number 581. This week we feature Kale Anderson, winemaker, Parable Wines, Napa Valley. The Wine Foundry is a custom winemaking facility located at the southern end of Napa proper. Kale Anderson makes wine there under his own label, Kale Wines, as well as a new project called Parable. He also operates as a consulting winemaker for several other labels. We met up with Kale at the Wine Foundry just as the day was winding down and harvest was finally in everyone's rearview mirror. You can also hear Kale on our Vino Lingo segment defining the phrase minor modification. I'm here at the Wine Foundry, and for those who don't know what the Wine Foundry is, it's a facility in Napa, in the city of Napa, that uh, makes wine for a number of different winemakers. And today I'm here with Kale Anderson, who is, ironically, a winemaker. Kale, how you doing? I'm doing great. How you doing? I'm very good. Good to be here today. We both were up at the uh, Wine Industry Network Expo today and uh, got to see a lot of uh, torture devices and uh, unique equipment and <laughs> tractors and fun guy stuff up there, as well as fun gal stuff. Oh yeah, I know it's super fun and it's super fun to see a lot of people who I haven't seen since the beginning of Harvest. Yeah, I think that's also, yeah. what, it's like old home day for a lot of you, I'm sure. Oh yeah, no, it's 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 like uh, it's like uh, let let the let the kids out of the let the kids out of the cave for a day. Yeah, exactly. So the primary reason I'm here today to talk to you is for your wine, which is called Parable, right? Yes. And tell me a little bit about it. So we're really excited. Um, it's a brand new uh, label. It's a brand new winery um, that uh, I started working on with that Bright family. Ooh, maybe two years ago now. Um, it's a work in progress, but um, we're excited about uh, where it's going. Um, it's a, it, the Eppright family purchased uh, the old Dutch Henry winery up in Calistoga. Uh, it uh, burned down in the 2020 fires, after which they, uh, they acquired the property. Uh, we've replanted the Cabernet on, on the property, about two and a half acres. It's a property is about 12 acres total. Um, the winery burned down, but the residents and the uh, caves are still there, and uh, we are um, applying for our minor modification with the County of Napa uh, to uh, rebuild the winery uh, uh, to our specifications to make the wines that we want to make under the Parable label. So I'm really excited about it. Um, it's, a, it's, it's going to be... Uh, it's, it's going to be a long haul. Uh, it doesn't happen overnight, but uh, we're excited about uh, bringing the property back to life. That's great. But of course, that happened to a number of wineries, especially yeah. over the last few years. Um, where did the name Parable come from? Uh, so Parable, um, uh, the meaning of Parable, it's a, a short story uh, that teaches you a lesson. Um, 
and uh, it's spelled P-A-R-A-B-L-E. Uh, I, I think uh, wine is uh, is a parable in of itself, um, and every vintage is a little bit different. It teaches you a new story, um, and uh, and wine is a story in a bottle. Um, so um, we're excited about uh, having the trademark and uh, making a bunch of different uh, stories under the parable label uh, come to life. So what wines are you making specifically? What varietals are you making? So we're making uh, vineyard designate uh, Chardonnays. Uh, we're making vineyard designate Cabernets. Um, I think we'll probably make some red blends as well. Um, maybe a Syrah under the parable label or red blend, kind of Rhone blend. Um, these are all possibilities. Uh, the things that are for sure right now are uh, our, our Chard and Cabernet, um, and they're all works in progress. Our first release will hopefully come um, towards the middle of 2024, um, when we have labels on bottles and, um, and we're ready to go. We, we love uh, being here at the Wine Foundry where we custom crush uh, Kale Wines, Parable Wines, among other brands that uh, we consult for um, through uh, Kale Consulting. But uh, uh, we are interested in, uh, in, in building this new winery in Calistoga and being able to make some wines uh, with our own hands up there uh, also. That's uh, great. We will continue to make wines here, uh, you know, for the... Uh, forever, hopefully. Um, um, but uh, you know, maybe uh, you know, up in Calistoga, we'll uh, we'll be specializing in very small lot, uh, kind of high end uh, wines up in Calistoga. Well, we'll come back to the wines in just one minute. Let's talk about the wine foundry here. As I mm -hmm. said, it's in the southern part of Napa Valley, uh, in basically an industrial park, and. It's funny, people who visit here don't really understand just how many tasting rooms and, and facilities just like this are in a number of these industrial parks. They're kind of uh, hiding in plain sight. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, uh, I think you could, uh, I think if you looked at the numbers, um, there are more wines made down here in the industrial park than they're made up Valley, or a lot of those wines uh, that you taste up Valley are made down here, you know, and that's by design. I mean, um, you know, uh, the beautiful thing about being in an industrial park is uh, if you need to grow, you can grow. If you need to shrink, you can shrink. If you need to get your barrels, you walk around the corner. If you need to make some sparkling wine, uh, you walk across the parking lot. If you uh, if you need your barrels repaired, the barrel repair guy is right there. Oh, nice. If you need something welded, uh, the welder supply shop is right there. So, you know, it's a, it's a community down here that, um, you know, it's not uh, super sexy. It's not up on the, you know, it doesn't have an amazing view of the valley and it doesn't, uh, you know, have, um, you know, beautiful facade and whatnot. It's just a, a working winery. Um, but what it does, uh, what we're most, con what we like the most about being here at the Wine Foundry is that we have all the equipment that we need. You know, we can, we do all of our own lab work with a, with a FOSS machine. Um, you know, we do, uh, we have an optical sorter so we can uh, sort as much as anyone can sort their, their fruit, uh, mog out of their fruit. Uh, you know, we have a basket press. Um, we have... 
um, all the toys uh, that I can't afford to buy for yeah. myself. <laughs> and we share them. Well, and that's the logic, especially with an optical sorter. I'll use that as an example because when it came out many years ago, it was sky high expensive. I'm sure it's not any cheaper now. Sure. But to have it done in a group like any other group effort, you're going to save a buck. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, you know, and we, so there's, uh, there's a lot of different wineries uh, that make their wines here. A lot of my uh, consulting clients make their wines here Chateau Patel, Trinitas Cellars, Longfellow, Kazumi, Moradian, among others. Uh, and we all get to share this equipment and we don't have to put up the capital uh, ourselves. Um, and um, it's the way that uh, we feel like we can make world-class wines uh, without, ha without building a winery from scratch, uh, you know, um, uh, up Valley, although we would like to do it. We're doing that also, sure. but um, you know, this is a nice incubator uh, where, uh, you know, the saying goes uh, to make, uh, what, to make a million dollars in the wine industry, you need to start with 10 million or something to that effect. Uh, that's not necessarily true here. Um, you know, you, uh, we were able to build kale wines from uh, five barrels a year, um, wow. you know, uh, just on an assistant winemaker salary. Uh, to you know uh, what we're doing today, um, and and that's because we didn't have to buy an optical sorter and an auto auto pump over you know the guard stainless steel tank and all these you know fancy fancy things. Um, uh, we share them uh, with a lot of other people who are trying to do the same thing and of like-minded and quality-driven. So um, it's a it's a beautiful incubator. It's very smart and and obviously very practical. Um, well, let's talk about your particular road to wine. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. There's always that typical question, were you in a winemaking family? Uh, where are you from originally? So I was born in San Diego, grew up in Santa Rosa, where my parents and my sisters and their families still live. Um, and um, I grew up uh, without wine on the table. Mm. Uh, really knowing nothing about wine, even though I, w I grew up in Santa Rosa, I, I knew a lot of wine families, but uh, it wasn't a part of my family tradition or culture or anything like that. I really knew very little of wine uh, when I was in high school. We were not drinking wine in high school. We were drinking other things, uh, a little bit cheaper. <laughs> <laughs> Who wasn't? <laughs> um, oh, so wait, drinking in high school? No, no, no. That's right. Oh, no, 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 no. You no, never sorry, did that. Scratch it. Yeah. Yeah. Cut that. <laughs> so, yeah. So, anyways, I, I grew up uh, not in the middle of the wine industry. I fell in love with, with wine when I went to UC Davis. So, um, I went to Davis as an undergrad. Um, interested in being uh, a doctor or doing pre-med or uh, something thereof um, and discovered wine in my third year um, and uh, uh, took an introductory class, was intrigued. Um, I took the introductory class because it uh, was a, they called it a triple dipper because, you know, it satisfied three different uh, things, writing, English, science or something like that. So I took the class and I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And I just learned so much about my hometown, um, you know, Santa Rosa. So I was like, what, what is this really about? You know, and I was at the time really interested in um, uh, using science, uh, being creative. Uh, I'm 
I love the outdoors. I love to uh, do outdoor sports. I love to spend time outdoors. I love to make things with my hands. I love to travel. All of these things, uh, you know, the, uh, the viticulture and enology program kind of checked all these boxes, but I was like, eh, wine? Like, I don't know. There's a whole bunch of marketing surrounding wine. Like, is, uh, is that just a whole bunch of mumbo jumbo? I needed to convince myself. Yeah. Um, so I went on a journey while I was at school, uh, joined, uh, Devo, the, uh, the student, um, uh, uh, organization there at Davis and joined all the tasting groups, uh, that I could, you know, study groups or, or just, uh, um, or friend groups, uh, doing, uh, blind tastings and whatnot. And I found, uh, that a, um, the marketing mumbo jumbo uh, that I thought might be mumbo jumbo, like uh, talking about terroir. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't mumbo jumbo. It was, it was real. Um, and there was a tasting. Uh, so Jeff uh, Mangahas was uh, the student leader of the of Devo, I think, at the time, and he or uh, he was at least in charge of all the tastings. And we could actually taste wine uh, when you were under twenty one mm-hmm. um, on campus, oh, which really? is which is a fun fact. Again, you might need to cut that. <laughs> um, but uh, that's uh, that was super fun. And uh, there was a tasting uh, Rones around the world. Mm. Uh, so there was a domestic Syrah, there was an Australian Shiraz, there was a Spanish Garnacha, there was, what else was there? There was, uh, I think there was a Chateauneuf de Pop in there. Um, so all sorts of, uh, the Rhone varieties uh, blinded and I was like, oh my gosh, like all these wines are so different, but it's from the same genetic material. Uh, terroir's got to be real. I can really sink my teeth into this. And in the process of doing um, all these tastings, um, I also realized I had a really sensitive palate. Hmm. Um, uh, and, uh, and then after that, I, I did an internship at J Wine Company in Healdsburg. Um, the only reason why I did an internship at J uh, was because it was close to my parents' house. And, um, and the sparkling harvest happened so early I could make it back for the fall quarter. Oh, nice. Um, to, to, to finish my studies at, at Davis. But uh, I'm so glad I worked at Jay because this is when Judy Jordan owned it. Um, and uh, I learned a lot. I had a lot of great uh, teachers, mentors, coworkers. Um, made a lot of, uh, saved some money by living at my parents' house for the summer. Mm. Um, and uh, got fully bit by the wine bug. That's what it does. It gets its teeth in you. Yep. So if you don't mind me asking, how many harvests do you have under your belt at this point? It's easy to do the math. We just finished our my 23rd harvest. So my first harvest was 2001 at J Wine Company. Um, just finished uh, 2023, so that's 23 harvests in the books. And you're still a young guy. You've got time. That's great. I hope I got time. I sure hope so, too. <laughs> Gosh, I don't want to say that. And... Yeah, but again, I say it out loud. 23 harvests. Wow. That's I a lot. Have, I'm an old dude. Well, <laughs> I mean, in terms of experience, yeah. yeah. But in so many winemakers I know will say 23 like this. It's like, that's not very many yet. <laughs> I want to do more. And, and yeah. that's the great thing about what you do is it's that, okay, what's next? Yeah, what's next? And every harvest brings you an opportunity. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, you know, it keeps, keep, it keeps us going. It keeps us young. So um, many winemakers have 
unique experiences doing what you do. It's a, it's a tricky job because uh, things happen. You know, anything you can think of that was one of those experiences where you thought either A, I don't know if I should do this, or B, well, I'm glad I survived that. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's a lot. I mean, I, I really like my experience. You know, I'm, I'm really thankful for the mentors that I've had and the opportunities that I've been given and, uh, you know, and the, the long leash that I was given maybe when I was very young. Mm. Um, because it allowed me to make some mistakes <laughs> that I can look back on today and uh, laugh about. Mm. I mean, um, you know, whether that's, you know, I've dropped barrels. Oh. We've, we've folded in tanks. <laughs> we've, uh, you know, we've, we've given the angels their share. <laughs> um, that's a good one. I mean... Uh, here's a scary one. Um, uh, the 2014 earthquake, um, in Napa, it was like six point something. Uh, the epicenter was there in Carneros. Um, at the time I was working for, uh, Paul Meyer and, uh, we were custom crushing up at uh, the ranch winery and, uh, and we had a kale wines dinner at girl in the fig mm. in Sonoma. Nice. Um, the night before. So I had a bunch of friends from in, uh, in from out of town and uh, we had a late night to say the least. And it was four o'clock in the morning, woke everyone up. Everyone was, uh, everyone was freaked out. I had some friends in from Chicago who had never experienced a, an earthquake before. So that was their first, um, you know, power was out, but, um, I run up to St. Helena and, uh, I drive in and there's just, a just wine coming out of, you know, some of those million gallon tanks, just a river going across the road. It's what a heartbreak. Like, oh my God. I mean, uh, luckily Paul Meyer didn't lose any wine at the time, but, uh, there were some of those huge tanks that were damaged, uh, during the earthquake, which was, that's some of the craziest stuff that I've seen. I've, you know, you know, breaking a barrel, sucking in a tank, you know, losing wine, however, which way. Um, you know, these are just kind of everyday things, but you know, that, that's the first time I've seen that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so it's, if it's not an earthquake, if it's not a fire, if it's not a flood, I mean, you know, we're not having fun. So <laughs> it could be a snake or a bear or a pig. Who knows? That's the joy. That's the real sexy part of winemaking. So I think, uh, you know, it is not for the faint at heart for sure. I mean, it, it's a lot of yeah. hard work and harvest being, you just finished it. One of the toughest parts. What do you think about 2023 at this particular Oh, point? man, we deserve 23. Mm. Oh, that's a good way to put it. <laughs> um, I'm really excited about 23. I mean, <clears throat> I'll be honest with you, like, September, October, like, you know, this was one of our the latest harvests that we've had in a long time. You know, we just came out of a, you know, series of drought years, which were abnormally early. Um, this one we want to think is abnormally late, but you know what, back in the day, they used to be this late, yeah. um, you know, back before the drought back, uh, you know, before all the crazy, uh, uh, heat waves and fires and all this kind of stuff. I mean, this reminds me of 2011 minus the 2011 minus the, uh, minus the rain yeah. at the end. Um, this reminds me of 2010 minus the heat wave. Uh, this reminds me 
of, oh gosh, uh, some of the late 90s, which I was not working yet, but I remember hearing about those vintages um, in the late 90s where, you know, they were harvesting in November. Um, you know, this year we harvested as late as the second week of November. Wow, that's late. Which is actually, I think, the latest I've ever harvested fruit. I've, I've harvested fruit in the first week of November, but not the second week. Mm. Um, so one of the latest vintages ever, but you know, very cool. The whole season, plenty of water in the ground from the, from the previous winter. And um, early on, I was like, ah, this is looking like a good vintage, but you know, we need a little bit of heat to get us over the finish line here. Like, you know, unless we get that, it's not necessarily going to be a great one. Um, and then the vintage happened in October and November happened and we brought everything in and things were looking great. All the numbers were looking great. Things were tasting great. Um, and now that things are drained and pressed and down to barrel, Ooh, this is up there. Like this is a, old school classic oh yeah you're not the first person i heard say it's that. like an old like a throwback classic like i was talking with some old timers that i know and they're in there and we were just reminiscing about it and um it's like you know like how many more vintages like old school classics are we gonna have you mm. know with climate change with how things are gonna change here in the future and um you know here and elsewhere yeah uh but here it was like an old throwback classic where I'm, uh, I'm just, I am really happy. I mean, the numbers look great. Our alcohols are not very high. Our acids are beautiful. The flavors are awesome. The, the, and, and, uh, the flavors are fresh. Uh, you know, there was very little raisining to speak of, uh, heat waves, non-existent. Um, right there towards the end, it was like, okay, were we going to get like a little tracer rain or we, or were we going to get like a inch that turned into two inches of rain? Yeah. Never happened. Well, so, uh, I'm pretty excited about it. I don't want to jinx it, but I mean, old, like it's looking like old school classic, which is, which is fun and it's going to be delicious. It's going to age really well. And, uh. You know, like I said, I don't know how many more classics we're going to, you know, like old school classics we're going to have. We'll have new school classics, that's for sure. But this is like a, this is like a throwback and, uh, and it's going to age well and hopefully the critics agree, but we'll see. Well, I think it's more important people like me that like it. Yeah. Who is your mentor? Who is uh, the person that... Uh... Oh man, I've had a lot of great mentors. Um... I mean, I worked with uh, Philippe Melka for a couple of years. I worked with Andy Erickson for a couple of years. I worked with Sam Baxter for a couple of years. I worked with, uh, oh my gosh, uh, you know, lots of uh, 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 amazing people, uh, you know, along the way. Um, you know, non-winemakers. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, you know, Jack Bittner gave me my first winemaking job when I was at Cliff Lady. I should say Cliff Lady gave, gave that to me on Jack's, Jack's uh, recommendation, which I f will forever uh, appreciate. Um, Cliff uh, let me make my own wines, uh, kale wines in the back of the cave in 2008 at Cliff Lady Vineyards as a bonus. Uh, as an assistant winemaker, I'll forever be 
thankful for that to, yeah, to, to, to Cliff and to uh, Jay, his son, um, uh, who was my intern in 2006. Um, oh, man. I worked for Marco Bear. How can I forget? Um, you know, in 2002 at, at Colgan Cellars, great mentor. Um, I worked with Michelle Edwards. She was the winemaker at Cliff Lady when I was assistant winemaker. Um, uh, just, I appreciate everyone along the way, and they're all mentors in different respects. Being that the tasting room for Parable will be built theoretically in the not too distant future, hopefully. I'm Good vibes your way. Uh, I'm presuming the tastings are done here at the uh, the foundry, or uh, uh, they. Um, th so there is no wine to currently taste, uh, but they will be done. They can be done here uh, in the future. Um, they can be done uh, over at the Wine Thief, uh, where we currently uh, pour uh, kale wines as a collective tasting room. Um, and yes, and uh, eventually uh, the wines will be poured in uh, in Calistoga at the property. Um, so, so yes, but this is all future, future, future. Yeah. Well, positive vibes again are going to go yeah, your way. Yeah. Thank you. So, uh, for our listeners who'd like to learn about you online, what is your website? Uh, kale at kale wines, uh, dot com. Um, our consulting uh, website is uh, kalewineconsulting.com uh, for, um, for our consulting. And uh, hopefully we'll have a parable uh, website very soon. Um, you know, we're just starting to uh, go down that road right now. Kale, thanks very much for taking the time today. I do appreciate it, and uh, this is a great place to work out of. So uh, best of luck with the new winery as well as with this project. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Learn more by visiting kalewineconsulting.com. Thanks for listening. Subscribe to the podcast at lifebetweenthevines.com or sign up to our YouTube channel. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Life Between the Vines comes to you from Fifth Floor Recording Company in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Produced and edited by Ray Fister. Our host is Kay Paskoff. Our web geek is Dan Gisha. Original music by Ray Fister. Copyright 2024.